Monica Levy. Say hallelujah. 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 Some of you may have seen Doug and Monica around. They look a little different. It's because they're from the West. (laughs) They're from the West Coast and they full of life. But they, well, I guess actually Doug's from this coast. And the Lord brought the two coasts together several years ago. Doug is actually packing up uh, in California. He went ahead of Monica. I I just want to extend some appreciation to Monica right now that um, if you weren't at the Joel meeting or or haven't read the newsletter, the Whirlies needed a little break. They just, life was full and uh, Monica, out of long relationship and a love for children, said, can I help give them a break? And she's just been a tremendous blessing to us here at Dwelling Place. And, uh, and to our children. And so for that, I want to say thanks. And I'm going to just... There. But we asked her if she wouldn't share, just, just briefly, testimony of the Lord in her. Yeah, so a little background. Um, I received the Lord in 1991, a little while back. Um, met my husband a month later. Three days later, he heard the Lord audibly say, this is your wife, ask her to marry you. I said, sure. My mom confirmed it. It was a little crazy, I know, I know. Um, We just celebrated our 20th anniversary in February, so, yeah. Um, Doug and I got to know each other through letters because he had come out to California to get signed by his, uh, with a band that he was playing with, and um, that didn't end up happening, but... We met at the show he played for, and he just hung around our church. They played at our church the next day, and um, and so we got to know each other through letters with paper and stamps and phone calls. And um, a few months after we had gotten engaged, uh, he flew me out to meet his mom, and he came out to meet my mom. And then I got the wedding all set up in L.A., and he changed it and said, we're going to go back to Radford. And it was just at 1992, uh, we had riots in Los Angeles, so um, I was ready to get out of there. And I thought, well, if we're going to raise a family, it's not going to be here. This isn't a good place. So Doug drove me across the country, had all my little stuff packed up in my truck. He brought me to Blacksburg within like three days. He said, there's your apartment. This is my brother Jeff. He's going to move all your stuff in. Uh, You start work down the street on Tuesday. I work 20 minutes away from here. I live in Radford, so... Uh, I work nights, so you're going to be working days, so we'll see each other when we can. Good luck. And I thought, so I got a cat. <laughs> and then um, we got married uh, Valentine's Day. Shortly after that, um, we started working right away. Yeah, that's us. Notice the guy on the, you're right? Yeah. 20 years ago. Yeah, there's some more. You can roll through them. There's our ring bearer. You recognize him? Little Shay. Yeah, that's Doug. And then one more. Yeah, there's Rick and Paula. Michelle was five, I think. And that's that was our internship right there at the table at Rick and Paula's house, pretty much. And if you can make everybody out, Leah and Mitchy to the right. So. Uh, after I moved here, Doug started bringing me to a college-age Bible study, which was in the basement of our Methodist church, and met Rick, and a few deliverances later, we asked him to marry us, and he did, and um, <laughs> God was so good, because 
I was raised Catholic, and so he eased me into a Methodist church first. And it was like, you know, the frog in the boiling water. They turn up the heat slowly, and soon they're cooked. That's kind of how it went. So I met Rick in the Methodist church, and then he said, y'all want to do an internship? And we said, no. Um, we didn't even pray about it. We just said, no. We're, we, got, we just got married. We have jobs. That's irresponsible. No. And, like, raising support and all that. So um, a month later, Doug and I got laid off. And so the Lord spoke his answer that we didn't ask for. And we said, okay, I guess we're going to do this internship, which is not what it's like now. It, it was, um, there was no DP. So one of the interns asked me, oh, was, you know, out of DP, there wasn't a DP yet. Um, it was just us and Rick and the college students. And so what happened was Rick said, you guys are going to follow me around the campus and we're going to see what God's doing. And literally, we just followed him around the campus. And we said, okay, we're going to see what the Lord's doing. And half an hour would pass, an hour would pass, and we thought, this man's crazy. But we didn't have anything else to do, so we just followed him around the campus. And God just did some really awesome and amazing stuff. Um, and some of the things that um, the Lord taught me was a lot of, I think, what Rick didn't intend to teach us necessarily. There wasn't really a curriculum or anything. It was just literally following him around and watching God. And I spent a lot of days standing at the island in their kitchen watching their marriage, which Doug and I had never seen, you know, an actual marriage because both our parents got divorced when we were six. So we had just never seen one and we didn't know what we were doing. And so I would run to Paula and say, this is what happened. And Paula would talk me off the ledge and and, and we watched, and for me, I think the most valuable thing was watching Rick and Michelle, because I'd never seen a father with his daughter, and I would just watch them in awe. And I was so ministered to by the off um, internship times, I think, more than anything else. Um, God's faithfulness in finances was amazing. And um, God brought us back here. We had left, so let's see. We did our internship a year. It was over after a year. And then Rick went and pastored in Big Stone Gap or East Stone Gap. I'm not sure which. And, yeah, we, uh, he said, you guys are going to take the campus ministry. I said, no, we're not. And Doug said, yes, we are. And I said, no, we're not. And Doug said, yes, we are. And he trumped me. So um, what I had seen was Rick and Paula's faithfulness to the Lord. Paula would lay hands on her washing machine every single week. That thing would die. And Paula would say, God, you know I can't afford this. You know I can't afford any washing machine. You're going to have to make this thing work. And sure enough, that thing would work. Week after week, it was crazy. But um, God just showed me their faithfulness. And we saw so many um, trials in their life and things that would, you know, go down. There was a lot of spiritual stuff, a lot of battle going on on Radford University campus. We lived in Radford. And we did a little bit of ministry at Tech as well. Um, and we would just watch their faithfulness to the Lord and just in amazement that they would give everything they had in every corner of their life, family, finance, everything, for strangers. And they would do it with joy. And they kept doing it. And we just stood there and watched this. And that's why I said, I don't think we can do this. And Doug said, yeah, we're doing it. And I just remembered Paula and that washing machine. I mean, I could still see her. I just thought, I don't have that kind of faith, God. I don't think I can do this. And he's just a stretcher. And those of you who've known the Lord for a while, you know He's going to push it beyond what you know to do and what you're comfortable doing. And so this little Catholic girl saw some crazy stuff. <laughs> we saw some, you know, manifestations and good times. 
But Rick and Paula are just precious to me. And so the Lord did something interesting. Uh, Doug and I were living in California. We'd worked for a few churches. We worked for one for about seven years, and then we left out of there. Um, they blessed us so much to go plant a church with a friend, like help him plant um, in Malibu. And so we did that for a couple of years. And then we were driving down the road one day, and Doug was listening to the radio, and he just turned it off, and he said, if Rick asked you to move back to Virginia, would you? And I just thought, random. I mean, there's no way he's ever going to ask me to move back there. And for those of you who don't know me, Virginia was not my pick. My, it's not in my top ten. It, it's, and then not because it's not beautiful and sweet and you all are not amazing. It's because this is the place where it's my furnace. It's where all the flesh was burned off. And when I would come back here for, you know, holidays and stuff with my husband, I could still smell it burning. And so I just thought, Virginia, like that's what it represented to me was my baggage that I left here. So um, coming back here was just not in my grid at all. And I had to think about what he said. And I thought, yeah, I mean, if Rick asked me to do anything, I'd do it. And he said, that's how you know who your spiritual dad is. And he turned the radio back on and kept driving. So we came out. uh, He planned a 25th year anniversary for his high school or 20 year. I can't remember. And um, we came out for that. And it never happened. The people couldn't come. Everything just sort of got canceled. And so Rick said, well, come on out to the property. We're doing this internship kickoff weekend, and this is the first year they're living on campus or, you know, the property. And we thought, okay, sure. So we came out, and it was so the Lord. I mean, God was just all over it. We got ministered to by Jim and Mims and Rick, um, just praying over us and speaking over us because Malibu is a really tough plant. I mean, it was, like, horribly tough for me and Doug. And um, we just needed healing and ministry and just to kind of, when you work under people with their ministries, you conform to what they need you to be. So whatever their vision is, you just make it happen for them and make them you know, successful in whatever God's called them to do. And so we had done that with six different people, and we just needed to uncrumple. And we thought, well, we're going to go, and we asked Rick to cover us to do another church plant with some friends. And he said, you guys, I think you need to just rest and, um, un- you know, just figure out who you are again and just take that time to just rest and that just sounded so right it just sounded like refreshing water for me and rick said i'm going to say something crazy and this may be a little selfish but i think you guys should come back here for a season and i looked at doug and i thought man he set me up for that real good (laughs) i was out of left field and we just thought all right well i said i'd do it so i'll pray about that and you know there's no way that's going to happen we're in a lease like a two thousand dollar a month lease had a car that we just leased, and so we were kind of stuck. And we prayed about it, and this girl came across my path, and she said, I need to go to Pepperdine for a season, for just one um, semester, so January to May. I need a place to stay. I don't have any stuff. I don't have any furniture. And we thought, all right, this sounds, you know, I'm like, hey, I'm going to toss this out here to you. She's like, yes, let's do it. So we left and came here for five months. This month is five months, and the Lord said, you're going to stay a little longer. So he did that frog thing again where he just kind of got me out here and then extended it. Thanks, Jarrett, wherever you are, for some divine words of you're going to stay here longer. And so Doug's home, closing our apartment. I'm going to join him uh, next weekend and get all our stuff stored or sold or whatever. And we're here till God says go home. I'm thinking a couple years. But what a blessing. It's so redemptive what he's doing. Like all the relationships and places where it's been a burn, God's sweetening. 
And there was a song we played that Amy was singing that was just that, you turn the bitter to sweet, and he's doing that. And it's so awesome to be here. Um, Doug and I feel led to just stay and soak in the culture of Dwelling Place and then um, eventually go back to Hollywood and plant, which I know we're going to need that. We're going to need this for a while. So I thank you guys for allowing me to share that. Thank you for this culture. Let's pray for Monica. Father, I just want to thank you for Monica, Lord, for the testimony of faithfulness that you have manifested in her life. Lord, she's been a faithful daughter of yours. And Lord, we just thank you for this time that we have for her to be here, her and Doug to be here. And Lord, we do pray and we do agree that in the name of Jesus, Lord, that this will be a time of refreshing. And Lord, that this relationship with each other would not be a time of, of heaviness or weight. But Lord, that first and foremost is that she's a daughter of the Most High God. And Lord, everything that we'd say and do would communicate that place that she has in your heart. Lord, we thank you so much for her. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you, sis. We love you. You get a chance to meet Monica, take advantage of it. Jess leaned over and said, man, I want to get to know her. And I said, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's kind of crazy how God had this. Uh, dude, Jess came out sat uh, Wednesday at intern meeting and shared this brief testimony. And, I, and as she was speaking it, I said, Jess, you got to do it Sunday morning. And I know we already had a testimony. Monica was coming, and I just really feel like it's God. And you're going to hear this, how this interweaves with what God's saying. Come here, Jess, and share this. Hi. Um, I need to preface this by the little story, I guess. But So the other day in class, I, I've just finished out my semester at school, and we had to do like 20 different journal entries. And it was just like a lot of work, and I was finally to my last one. And so it was late at night, and I'm writing it, and it's a response to a Robert Frost poem. And so I write it, and just the things that start coming out are just so not what you would write in an English paper at school. And, but I just kept writing, and I was like, whatever. And so I kept thinking to myself, I'm like, there is no way he is going to read, like, all 60 kids, 20 journal responses. I'm like, that's not going to happen. I'm like, I wouldn't do that if I was a teacher. Um, because it wasn't even the analytical ones. It was just our, you know, our personal opinions on the poems and stuff like that. And so I just, I didn't think he was going to read it. So I'm leaving class the other day, and he's like, hey, Jesse. And I, like, turn around, like, yeah, and he's like, how about, how about you have a seat for a second? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so like, I sit down, and um, he's like, why don't, we, why don't we talk about Jesus a little bit? I feel like I know you a lot better now. And I was like, okay. So, um, but I read it to the interns. So I just want to read it to you all. Um, Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Robert Frost. Reading Frost this afternoon, I cannot help but think where I might have ended up had I not moved to Virginia, had I not completed the internship, had I not moved to Greece, and had I not moved back. If I hadn't been equipped to walk those lonely nights and sorrowful days that would follow shortly after. The season my soul came to the realization that man does not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That was the season by which I would forever be changed. Had that not happened, many a things may have transpired, many a things may have looked different, but I can say with certainty, not only would I have been unsatisfied, but I would have bypassed the single most important adventure of my life. 
to love the Lord, to know him, to be loved by him. This is what breathes life into my being. This is what fuels my very existence. Had I not believed, had I not known in the depths of my heart when the Lord spoke, I will never leave or forsake you, then these last several months as well as years would have played out much differently. The road less traveled can be so very intimidating at times. To lay down one's life only to see a barren land filled with fruitless days and lonely nights can seem unbearable. However, as of late, I am beginning to realize that what seemed to be so very desolate was in fact the complete opposite. As the Israelites cried out in objection to their supposed abandonment, I found myself at times fighting the same cry. To see death at every corner, my heart grew discouraged, my heart grew weary. Upon thinking of the Israelites, I could not help but question how an entire tribe of people could ignore the signs and wonders happening right before them, how they could mistake misty manna, a fire by night and a cloud by day as rejection, how they could forget. Not every moment ended in victory, but when I, was able to, when I was able to remember, when my eyes were opened to all the Lord has and had been doing, I found myself not only humbled but overjoyed. I found myself thankful. He who goes to and fro weeping, carrying his bag of seed, shall indeed come again with a shout of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Psalm 126.6. A dear friend of mine once said, Jesse, it is all right to cry and to mourn, but to do so in hope, knowing who your God is, so that in its season you will reap a harvest of joy. I have watched and been a part of some of the most difficult and painful of days, feeling the weight and the pressure of a world that is, as it has tried to bring an unrighteous name to my God. But when I stopped moving, when I was able to breathe, when I cried out to my Heavenly Father, praying for a glimpse at what He sees, my heart not only found peace, but it found joy. And more than anything, my heart was able to hope again. It is not hard to see a world that is quickly fading, a world full of corruption and death. It is not hard to see a darkness that at every corner seeks to overwhelm. However, when one can see the way He sees, when one can put away their earthly eyes and see with a heavenly perspective, everything changes. One can move with confidence, not cowering to the circumstance at hand. One can battle against spirits and principalities rather than mere flesh and blood that stands before. One can weep in confidence, knowing their God will not only weep alongside, but will turn their seeds of tear into a harvest of joy. It becomes clear that where, yes, the dark may be getting darker, the light is indeed growing much lighter. I stand amazed at my friends, my family, my soon-to-be husband, as I watch them not only overcome the hardships that accompany the path less traveled, but prevail in such a way that their endurance has its perfect result, a people perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I stand amazed as I watch them conquer the enemy in such a way that he has no choice but to flee. To see a people rise, fully armed by the Lord, is a fierce thing to behold. Where death sought to destroy identity, purpose, vision, and so much more, I have seen a people grow louder and stronger, declaring their God's faithfulness, their God's healing, their God's redemption. The sons and daughters of God are rising up as just that, sons and daughters. They no longer wait to be asked. They no longer care to prove themselves, but rather trust in the vindication and the righteousness of their God. They are people whose past once bound and enslaved, but at the revelation of what lies behind the veil, have been adopted into a family whose king laid down his life to win them over and to win them back. They call him Father. He is the creator of the universe. They stand redeemed as he responds, always in love and always in faith. To know that with a glance of their eyes, his heart skips a beat, has forever changed the way they move, the way they operate, the way they interact. There is an awakening that is happening that cannot be denied. Circumstances have not and will not dictate the way the body of Christ walks, for they know his fingerprints. They know his voice. They will follow him to the mountain. They will follow him to the valley. For wherever he goes, they know they will find rest. They know they will find peace. 
He redeems what has been stolen and empowers them to take new ground. They swim to new depths and they climb to new heights as they cannot get enough of his presence. The Lord draws them deeper into his heart with every prayer prayed, with every song sung, and with every dance danced. The holy roar that has and will echo throughout the land is one that will draw the dry bones from their graves. The young will be a force to be reckoned with as the old teach and equip them to hear the voice of God. They will fear no evil as they know that he abides in him, that they abide in him and him in they. The battle cry that erupts at the sound of his name is one that causes the demons to flee and the enemy himself to cower as it reminds him of how this battle will end. This is the body of Christ, the one who no longer sees their God as the taker, but rather the giver of light. Shedding light on the one who really comes to steal, kill, and destroy. In doing this, he not only rendered the lives of his enemy ineffective, but assured his children of his character and his never-ending devotion, assuring them of his never-ending love. This is the body of Christ, revitalized, strengthened, and renewed. He fathers the fatherless. He loves the broken, the dirty, and the dying. When his love floods a room, it destroys fear and brings forth a loving kindness that draws a people to repentance. He is a God who loves, whose love never dies. He pursues fervently and never shrinks back at our transgression, our fault, or our sin, but rather leaves the 99 and searches for the one, always drawing us back. There is a God who fights for his children, a king who stands day and night interceding on our behalf. So what other road is there? Where else would we be? Where else would we go? A day is coming where there will be no more sickness and no more pain and no more death. A day where the body of Christ will stand whole, fully knowing and being known. That day is not some distant dream, but grows more real and more certain with every breath. Good. Road less travel. I just thought it was real appropriate. Well, this morning is not a morning to preach. And I've got some notes here somewhere. I was supposed to preach this morning on uh, on the presence of God, God with us. And as God was been doing with me lately, just to prove who is God, he, uh, I was driving in this morning and I was telling Jared, I, I just knew that I was supposed to speak. And I knew that, uh, but I didn't know what. And, uh, I'm use your notes. Oh, here they are. But I think I'm supposed to prophesy this morning. Speak prophetically. And we don't have PowerPoint because this came when we were in the prayer room. And uh, and the title of this this word, this grouping of prophetic words is shaking off the chains and releasing the blessings of motherhood. There are six things that the Lord spoke to me about chains that, uh, that can hinder mothers from walking and receive the blessing of motherhood. Now the danger is, is that we read this, that... Uh, will define mothers as those who have have allowed children to come forth out of their womb. I do not think that is the full definition of mothers. And you're going to see some things here that uh, I think it's time, as Jess was 
that Monica were declaring is the truth of God establishes, and that's the thing that which we focus and measure everything with. And so I just want to just identify some things. Does everybody have a handout? If you do, do not, if you would raise your hand swiftly, we'll hand it if you, if you do not have. And I just ask the ladies in this room, uh, married, unmarried, uh, with, quote, physical children, without, quote, physical children, receive. And, uh, and, and here's some of the things that the Lord just really spoke in my heart. Some of the chains that the Lord wants to identify and us to release of is, this first one is hopelessness with regards to the dreams set aside for mothering. Some of you ladies in here have, I mean, not some, but literally, uh, women are some of the most gifted and most powerful just on the face of the planet. And uh, they, the things that I watch ladies do, and all in the name of, uh, of, of a season of life, that where um, to, to bring and, and disciple children is phenomenal. I watch Paula when Shay and Michelle came into existence, set aside any thoughts of, uh, of, uh, of, of fulfilling her, the things that were in her in relationship to like teaching and, and stuff like that, all for the purpose of discipling two kids face to face. And, uh, you know, a lot of things were hailed as in relationship to my life and in the ministry they had. But you heard what Monica spoke, that the real preaching that really occurred was not in relationship to me teaching an internship program or me being on a uh, uh, you know, on the university campus. A lot of the major preaching that occurred was with a woman preaching around an island in the midst of a kitchen. And, uh, pardon me, or speaking to a washing machine. I was reminded of Billy Graham's wife. Uh, the time that Paul and I were, um, not Pilgrim's wife in this context, but, but uh, Paul and I were down at a Fellowship of Christian Athletes conference, and we ran into Ann Lotz, which was Billy Graham's daughter. And uh, we asked, you know, just, uh, just curious. I went and walked to her and I says, you know, Anna, I mean, I mean, what do you attribute? I mean, you know, here you are walking as a powerful woman of God. And, I mean, what do you attribute? I mean, how did... How did I mean, how do you balance? How did y'all balance family life? You know, Billy was gone so much in, in their lives and birthdays and Christmases and stuff like that. And she said, how did, how did, how do you, what do you attribute to this, things in your life? And she said, Mom, my mom, um, I never heard, she said this, I mean, she said, I never heard a bitter word come out of her mouth about Dad being gone. You know, my grandparents were there also to fill gaps, but mom just forever just speaking into us and caring for us and loving us and filling the gaps. You know, and she said, I don't know, I think it was her that told me this, but she said there was a sign above their kitchen sink. It says prayer meetings here three times a day. You know, and so you know that really the depths, probably when we get to heaven, you know, and you'll think about the millions of people that got saved in the ministry of Billy Graham, but really probably the true true hero in that whole ministry would be is, is Ruth. The character and dignity of which she walked was, is, is phenomenal. And I could imagine the things and the giftings were in Anne and the times that she probably put things on hold to, to, to raise what? How many kids did they have? Six? Is it six? 
whole bunch. A whole bunch of them. But I think about Paula. And, uh, you know, Paula, she was one who went, was a, had a master's degree at, at a, from the school that we went to, and they, was, she, they were asking her to come and be a teacher at the university. But she said, aside to marry me, well, that's one major sacrifice, to move to the big city of Okeechobee. And then she sets things aside in relationship to just with an intensity of focus that I'm going to disciple Shay and Michelle. I mean, I want to disciple our kids. And she did it. And I just see in this room here there's that I just really heard the Lord speaking that there's a hopelessness with regards to the dream set aside for mothering and, and the word that the Lord would speak in relationship to that in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24, where it says, Faithful is he who calls you, he will bring it to pass. And I just want to speak that. I just want to speak that out. Also, the second thing the Lord's spoken to me, mothers who have been dishonored are taken, taken granted of. You know, dishonored. Honor means to be valued. And, and no, I know like with Paula and like any of you ladies, y'all don't like to hear so much in words, but you like to hear the actions of the words. And uh, they speak to you louder than anything. And so I just, uh, I do to declare that Healing in your heart and the chains of it were places that where you may be dishonored. A kid that maybe not know how to speak to his mother. And in our home, uh, you know, Paula was off limits. I mean, you could fuss and you could discuss with me, but you didn't. Mom was non-negotiable. You know, that was it. And Michelle was a, a sort of a, in that place also, being a, a girl. You know, Shay learned to keep his mouth shut and, and keep his hands off. And then um, that it, the words that he would speak would be a life to her. But Paula would be to one as to honor. And, you know, it's really kind of cool for me. And that's, this is the grace and mercy of God. Because I, I just think back in my life, I was a person who did not know what honor was in any way, shape, or form. only thing I knew was to play football, let's play basketball, let's play baseball. Um, I, you know, I didn't know honor. I was not taught about honor. I was not fathered in that. But it's interesting that God gave me a woman of honor. And, and I want to speak this because Paul is one of these that will demand honor. Not like she says, you're going to give it to me. But her, but her character and her lifestyle and relationship to me demands honor. And I mean, if you don't give it, I mean, it's like, see you later kind of thing. And I just speak that to the, both the young and to the old. That God has purposed you for honor. Like in 1 Peter 3, 7, it says, you know, uh, husbands live with your wives in an understanding way. And it goes on to say, grant her honor. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes here. As a fellow heir of the grace of life. So I just want to just speak into the ladies, the places in your hearts where your hearts feel like you've been dishonored. The things that you sacrifice day and night and it's not appreciated and taken granted of. I can think back with my mom... uh, you know, in high school, man, like I told you, I was not a person of honor. Anyway, shape or form, I was all about Rick, you know. And I remember mom, she had this neurological disease, which ended up killing her a few years later. I remember her, when the, the disease started manifesting itself, she couldn't hardly walk. When it fully manifested, she couldn't walk at all. In fact, she lost all voluntary movement. But I remember when that, the disease started uh, manifesting itself, her propping herself up. And a kitchen counter to cook me food, which I was not appreciative. 
not honored for. She was not honored. And, uh, but I speak that. There's many of you ladies out here who have made many sacrifices that demands great honor. And your Father in heaven sees. And your lover Jesus sees. And to, to you, he gives honor. And we believe to let the chains of sins against you in that area to be released in Jesus' name. Third area that the Lord really spoke into my heart that can change your hearts to hinder the blessings of motherhood. The chains of in relationship to mothers who are mothers in the spirit, not in the physical. And the Lord spoke to me on this. I, I, I need to read this passage of scripture. Just to really significantly establish a truth. Because there's some ladies that may have had miscarriages and they're not mothers in the physical, God would say you're a mother. And I want to say this too. There may be you ladies who have never been able to have, be pregnant. But I will say this. You're a mother. I want to read this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 14 and 15, Paul speaking, I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Now, y'all, Paul was not, did not biologically have any kids. But yet, the word of God, which is true, declares that he was a what? A father. And I want to say this to you. Ladies, in any of the categories that I mentioned, either biologically or never maybe in a place that where you've ever conceived or have had miscarriages, God says you're a mother. And especially, I will say this to those, you know, who have had miscarriages. You know, I know from Mitch and Leah, they got seven kids. Seven. I know, without a shadow of a doubt, seven kids. That's, that is real, y'all. While we look not at the things which are seen, but what? Things that are what? Not seen. Now, y'all, I just really believe that the Lord is saying to us, ladies, I just want to declare it into you, receive it. Receive it. You're a mother. And there's no lack. There's no failure. In fact, I can feel that one huge right now in the spirit. The lie that the enemy would taunt, that would tell you you lack or that you're a failure. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Some of you ladies in here have mothered so many. We're talking about mothers. I mean, like Kathy Tangalakis. You know, she's got three biological kids. But how many daughters does she have floating around? I mean, dude. I mean, those are. Be honest with you. Those, those are cool. Those are powerful in the in the physical. But I'll say this: in the spirit, is very, 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 very powerful. Because that which is in the spirit is eternal. So I declare blessing. I declare mothers. Your mother. I just want to declare also that the chains of disappointments in motherhood. 
to come off your hearts. I heard this. Kids walking differently from the hope of a mother. I mean, sometimes ladies, you know, us guys don't understand. I don't, and I think a lot of you guys are all the same as me. I just don't understand the power of hope in a woman. That power of hope is unreal. And, and so many times I know that in my life that Paula has this in her. And I, don't, and I, and I trampled it under her feet. You know, just the simple thing of maybe like, you know, simple, you know, well, large to simple. Large, I know that had she had these visions of hope in relationship to what our marriage would be like when we got married. And can we say disillusionment? I don't think she was off. I think those was God given to believe for. That may have taken 35 years for us to start to get there. But, you know, God hears it. Or there's a simple thing of that's, that's big, but there's a simple thing. How about this that I'm learning? Uh, Tuesday nights, our date night. Well, that it's not just something that we just sort of slide into. That it's like planned out. It's something that where she knows what's about to happen and she can look forward to. And unless guys, you know, hey, Julia, let's go hang out, man. You guys are break, man. Yeah, yeah, oh, man, that's really cool. We can just have fun just doing that. But like Paula likes this thing where she can look forward to. Times like, sometimes like, where she just really could get dressed up. You know. And Michelle, too. I mean, that's, the, you know, she's in that category, too. And I remember the time that I was supposed to have a date with Michelle. And, and I, I came, I found myself coming into, from in Pembroke in, in blue jeans and a pullover shirt. And I knew that God said, you're to take Michelle out to a really, really nice place to eat. And I go, and I looked at myself and I'm going, this ain't cool. So immediately I just went to J.C. Penney's and said, Babe, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to splurge. So I bought shoes, pants, shirt, sport coat. This happens to be that sport coat. All for Michelle that she would know that she was special. And I took her out to a really, really nice restaurant. Um. But the Lord would want you to know that he wants to heal the hearts of the disappointments, particularly like in relationship to kids. Or, uh, and God would say in Ezekiel twenty-two thirty, he would say, stand in the gap. He says, I look for a man or a woman, build up the wall, stand in the gap. Build up the wall, stand in the gap, but I would not destroy the land. But I found none. But I say this, mothers, keep standing. God said, stand in the gap. It will happen. Also, loss in family. The Lord was speaking about disappointments of loss in the family. And the Lord said to me, Romans 8, 28. He says, I will cause all things to work out for good. I will work. He has con- promised you that he will work. He will work. He will work. He will work. And he will work to cause all things to work out for your good. Fourth thing the Lord spoke to my heart, and I skipped over the one, is that mothers who are tired from mothering, I never realized what it was like to mother. And I look at some of you like Marge and Harris got four. Leah's got four. I've got three. Eight soccer matches in a weekend. That's, you know, I mean, I'm going. 
have mercy. But I, you know, I remember we had two, and they were four years apart. I remember one time Paula left for the weekend, and by Saturday I was making intercession for her that she would get back safely. Not just because I loved her, but out of, yes, out of desperation, Jesus, if she don't get back here, dude, how do I do this? I just want to speak, uh, you know, mothers are just tired. I speak strength in the name of Jesus. And I do speak this also. Husbands, let your wife have the weekend off. <laughs> you know, it'll help give you into reality. You know, so. But I do want to speak into that, the tired. And to be honest with you, all can be also the tiredness not just when they're young, but how about older? I know some of the things that Paula will go through in relationship to watching things being birthed in Shay and Michelle. So, uh, and you know, then you come into that season of life when all of a sudden you're a grandparent. Hallelujah. Yeah, that's great. Because when you get tired, you just take them home. You know, you know, you know Max and France, they're in Macedonia right now. That's, that is not, that is good for Mita and Baba, but it's bad for Rick and Paul. But I can't imagine Mita and Baba uh, as Leela's parents. I just can't imagine. She had, he had never seen Francis since he's a year and a half. He hadn't seen Max for two years. I'm going, oh, man. Bless Sorry about that. I'm divert. Fourth, six, how many is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, five. One, two, three, four. Six things. I hear the Lord just speak, spoken this morning. Believing lies that you're a failure as a mother. Y'all ladies are awesome, but one of the biggest things y'all are, one of the biggest ways that you can get jacked is that you're good about, you're not good at it. I, just, I don't know. You're very susceptible to listening to the lies of the enemy telling you not you're not measuring up. And here's what the Lord spoke to me in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 and 13, for it says, we were not bold to be classify or measure or compare ourselves with ourselves. Now, I remember us with Shay and Michelle. Michelle, and y'all may have heard me say this before, but when Shay was, Shay was two to three, he had an aversion to being potty trained. He had determined in his heart he was not going to be potty trained. Because of that, Paula... And I slipped into this, but Paula really wrestled with this. And, and she would, we would go to the families who had, had kids our age, and their kids are walking up, Mommy, Daddy, can I go to the bathroom? And our kids going, mm, you know. <laughs> and it's, he's, he's old enough to go, Hey, Dad, I pooped. And you're receiving these accusations that you're a failure as a parent. You know, our kid that's four years old and he tells a lie. Oh, no, God, he's going to be a serial killer. You know, I just rebuke the lies that you're a failure as a mother. Not compare. Don't compare. Only be that which God has apportioned to you as a standard of measure. 
You know, there's some people that can do 15 zillion things, you know. You know, Paula could really condemn herself. She compares herself to like Margie Harrison, who cooks like, oh, yeah, Jesus. And Paula, she just like, you know, I'm glad she's not here, but <laughs> she does not like to cook. I mean, it's like, yeah, for special cages, really go. She cooks, it's awesome, but she just like, hey, Rick, cereal's in, get it, you know. Oh, peanut butter banana. Yeah, that's cool. Go ahead and have it. That's what you want lunch. Love her. I mean, that's Paula. I mean, that's her. But it, she she can listen to accusations and be around, you know, Margie goes, how did you cook? Like, Margie. And Paul goes, oh, I'm a terrible failure. You know? Whatever it may be, I just want to declare into you, walk in the excellence which God is, you know, portioned to you as a standard of measure. I'm exaggerating in that. But it's important that to not receive the lies what God tells you you do not measure up. Because God don't operate that way. You know what? You remember in John chapter 16, He don't tell you what's wrong. He reveals righteousness. The Holy Spirit, when He comes, He will convict you of righteousness. What's right? What's the truth? Now, this is on top of this. I want to bless this, and we've been in here and we've done this before, but it's so appropriate on Mother's Day that I do this. In Proverbs 31, I just want to declare this, that Proverbs 31 is not a standard of the law. It is not. Romans 10, I'm going to read Romans 10, 5, and I want you to really listen to this very carefully. It says, it says this. It says something. It says, for Moses writes. Well, I'm going to read four. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Hear this. For Moses writes that the man who practices the righteousness which is based on the law shall live by that righteousness. In other words, you know, what happens to many, many women, you've heard me say this before, but they'll turn around and they'll read Proverbs 31 and they see it as a standard of righteousness to perform. But... In that verse I read you right after that, it talks about a righteousness which is according to faith. And righteousness according to faith, which is where a woman, I just declare you to hear Proverbs 31, and I will read parts of it. It says, an excellent wife, your husband has found. Aaron, you found. Nick, you found. I have found. You know, you know Terry has found. He has found an excellent wife. An excellent wife. I have found. Rick has found. And her worth is far above jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her. And he he will have no lack of gain. And it goes on. And declares these awesome blessings in relationship to the woman. Where it talks about... uh, her husband also praises her, saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is in vain, but a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. Give, give her the product of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. This begins in faith, not performing the righteousness which is according to the law. And I just wanted to say, in that is blessing. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. That's where it begins. Don't try to perform it. Then you can say you can do it. And you've heard me go, go before on this. 
The second thing the Lord spoke to me in relationship to blessings of motherhood, I want to declare over you, ladies, is in relationship to uh, verse 28 in Proverbs 31. Her children rise up and bless her. Her children rise up and bless her. Now, I want to stop here a second. Um, I don't know we're about through. But uh, I want to, the Lord told me two people, three people, including myself, are to bless their mothers publicly. See, God the Father blessed his son, Jesus, at least twice. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So I just want to add, there's going to be two people in here alongside me that want, I want to bless your mothers. Bless, give you an opportunity to bless your mothers. They may be in here, they may not, because my mom is, is, is not present with us physically, but I know Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, we're encompassed about so great a cloud of witnesses. So guess what? She's watching. And I just want to declare to my mom, Mom, you are a blessing. I know that I would not be standing here today if it was not for my mom. Mom, who stood in the gap for me when I was just being a jerk and believing for my salvation and believing and prophesying over me that when I came out I was going to be a preacher baby. She believed that she was going to have a preacher for her. Mom, I bless you and I thank God for you. Who in here wants to bless their moms? There's two. Be bold. Hold on. Fortunately for me, she is here. give her a card this morning <clears throat> and I wrote some things in that card and there's never really a card that you can buy that expresses what you need to express to your mom you know what I mean I don't care where you go what kind of card you find there's nothing that really says what you need to say um, but if I had to say anything uh, what I felt like this morning when I put the card was throughout my life a lot of people turned their back, turned around, turned away. You were the one person that ran to me. You were consistently there for me when I needed you. I think I wouldn't be where I'm at today, doing what I'm doing, walking in what I'm walking in. It wouldn't have been for your consistency. Most importantly, your relationship with the Lord. We went through some hard times, but you never give up. You've taught me to be strong and not give up. And I bless you for that. I love you. Yes. Glad a man did it. Go ahead. Um, I think I'm supposed to bless my birth mom. Britt was adopted. 
just want to bless her for choosing life and choosing to carry me for nine months and then give me up. Bless my parents who couldn't have children to have me. Amen. Amen. I could go around the room and I'm that's awesome, Brittany. That is awesome. And I just declare blessings. You receive that with your blessing. Last thing that the Lord told me to declare this morning in relationship to blessings was the past scripture in first Peter chapter three, verse seven, where I already quoted earlier where it says Husbands, live with your wives in you know, an understanding way. Treat them as a weaker vessel. Then it says this. Grant, bestow, honor on them. Honor. I was doing some research and I ran across the passage of Scripture in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 19, when, when uh, King Solomon was king and he was sitting on the throne and all of a sudden Bathsheba came into his presence that the king when his mother came into the place came off his throne and bowed before his mother just oh it was so awesome and then he then he took his place on the throne and he said and he made a place for his mother to sit at his right hand I'm going blessed honor and I just want to declare that same measure of honor that over you ladies that are mothers um, that uh, that the heart of us men in whatever role or whatever passion or life would, would the place for us is to bow before your feet and say honored honored you're honored so, chains be removed and blessings be received. Now, I, I'd like to close out. I, I don't want to put anybody on the spot, but I do want to have an opportunity for, uh, for us to pray for people. In fact, I've got to do download one word. Carol Alger... Um, I was just I just heard in the spirit you know Steve's got a really good perspective right now on stuff I mean you know he's hanging out there next to mom and they can really see good you know having this heaven's perspective of earth and I just really heard in the spirit this declarations in, from the heavens about you good mom Faithful mom. Got three of them right there. That's a pretty big testimony right there, sis. Steve went to be with Jesus. When was it? Huh? December 14th. And, and, uh, and I disturbed that. Faithful mom. Did a good job. Really, you birthed four of them. Stephen... <laughs> Uh, Jess and David and Steve. So, I mean, 
<laughs> you know. And you go and find out that may be that's really true. But I just said, when you get to heaven, you're gonna find that to be true. So I but if there's any ladies that are really or anybody, y'all, any of us guys that have really not come in agreement with our lifestyle to communicate this kind of honor to the mothers, y'all, we need to repent. But uh, ladies, if there's some things in your heart that hinders you receiving the blessings of Proverbs 31 or the blessings of children crying out blessed or, or the honor that God says, yeah, yeah. I, we just want to pray for you. So uh, uh, is there anything y'all want to add? Mitch, so I just want to ask, we're just going to close out because I don't want to put anybody on the spot, but we do want to pray. So as we close out, you know, if you want prayer, come on up, okay, please? And we'll be, and I ask y'all to help, don't abandon me up here to pray, okay? So, uh, so Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. And I just want to declare over the women in our church, blessed. We're thankful for the women that you have uh, brought into this body. And Lord, we wanted to take away any places of measurement that the enemy would put on mothers. Any form or fashion, Lord. Lord, we just speak they be removed in the name of Jesus so their hearts may hear the fullness of the mercy and grace of God to impart. I want to declare blessed, honored, treasured, worth far above jewels, reward. I thank you for these ladies, Lord. The riches of this church. Lord, Lord can be found in the women that are here. I thank you for them, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Be blessed. Y'all have a great day. And uh, please, y'all, if there's anybody who would like us to pray for them, please come out.